Hello, my name is Juliana Howard, and I nominate my mom, Tina Howard, for the Women of the Month. I nominate my mom because she's one of the strongest people I have ever met. From beating cancer to raising four kids, she's always done it all and with a smile on her face. My mom is always there for me when I need her, helping me with the small things like homework from teaching me how to drive, taking me to sports, letting me try new things, and always being supportive of me and my choices. My mom beat breast cancer and still was there for me, picking me up from school, taking me shopping, and going to every sporting event she could. The dictionary definition of courageous is someone who is not deterred by danger or pain. My definition is my mom. She's the sunshine to my rainy day, the person keeping me going in the morning, the light keeping me from being depressed. I don't think I'd be half as far as I am in life right now if I didn't have my mom behind my back encouraging and loving me. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So when I was a little girl or young girl, I should say, um, probably about the age of Jules, who you just heard from at the beginning of this episode, I was fearless. And by this, I mean, I pretty much said whatever popped into my head. I befriended everyone and anyone And I was always pulling these crazy physical stunts that I feel like would make some of you moms absolutely beside yourself sick with worry if you thought about your kids doing them now. So for one thing, I was in gymnastics. And in gymnastics, I'm sure you know, uh, gymnasts pretty much hurl their bodies over like vaults and on balance beams and then going from bar to bar and even on the floor. It's, It's just... Not quite the safest thing in the world, but in our gymnast minds, we think it is. Um, And then we, in our backyard, we had a trampoline and we would play all sorts of dangerous games on it. But one of of my personal favorites was putting the sprinkler under the trampoline and then jumping on the trampoline when it was wet and like trying to bounce people off of it. Um, And then the other thing that just popped into my head was, you know how... We used to climb trees like to the very, very top of the tree, which I feel like thinking about someone doing that now, it seems like the most dangerous thing ever. Um, And then we had these weird monkey bars in my backyard where I would hang upside down from my knees and then I would like swing back and forth, back and forth. And once I got enough momentum, I would do a backflip off of them. Doesn't sound super dangerous, but I'm thinking of the space of the monkey bars. And I, what I don't know is how my feet didn't get like trapped ever. That would just be, it would have been catastrophic. But I think about these things now and it just seems scary and absolutely insane to me. But at the time, I would jump off of and into just about anything anyone put me up to. And then even in college, um, people could like dare me to do the utmost of craziest things and I would take them up on it. And I I mean that. Like I was the daredevil in college who people would just tell me to do things and I would do them from prank calls to to dares and telling people things that I shouldn't tell them. <laughs> That's a story for another day. Um, I know a lot of kids do this stuff. They're bold and they're brazen and they do things that when we look at them, they seem really, really scary. And somewhere along the road, we all smarten up and I did too. Um, either I had enough of being terrified in my life or I just started to see certain behaviors as a little bit more risky and I put all of this to rest. I really, it started like, it was like I really started to finally get scared of doing those scary things. And I think some of this happened um, when I was in France. I was skiing in the Alps, my first time ever skiing downhill. And I was like whizzing down a hill without the slightest clue of what I was doing. And the only way I knew I was probably doing something that was scary was at the bottom of the hill, my ski instructor said that I go way too fast for a beginner. And I sort of started to realize that he was actually right and I was very 
mortal when um, when I stopped having him as my ski instructor and I was skiing alone one day and I found myself like face to face with a tree because I was going way too fast and I had no idea how to stop myself or what I was doing. But here is the thing in reflecting on all of these um, crazy antics, and I'm sure you have stories of your own as well, but I don't think that these things define what being courageous is. I think that being courageous, like Jules said at the beginning, it requires a level of awareness, a aspect of knowing that there is something frightening or scary and that you're going to do it anyway. It's not just whizzing down a ski slope, none the wiser. It's whizzing down fully aware that there are going to be obstacles and that there are dangers along the way and still doing it. I think that is the epitome of courage. Right now, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm I'm personally staring something kind of scary in the face, and it's a two-part thing, one of which involves me making a decision for myself, and then the next is taking a step in a direction I've always wanted to go and been too scared to do it. And as you listen to today's episode, I hope that if you're um, dealing with something in your own life where you need to step up, step out, show up, I hope that you hear the message of courage and resilience in today's episode and that you are inspired to harness that for yourself, to take that step, knowing full well that there are risks, um, and maybe you don't know what all of them are, maybe you know what some of them are, but you also know that there's going to be bumps and slaloms and skiers might crash into you, and you do it anyway. Courage and bravery, in my mind, are easily confused, but to me, courage means moving from a place where your heart and mind are connected, and you face what you may have once been too afraid to face before. So as I always say, without further ado, here is today's interview with Lindsay Taylor, owner of Naughty Good Bites, and Tina Howard, her Naughty Good Bite Woman of the Month, who is the epitome of what it means to be courageous. Hello, Lindsay, and welcome back to the She Built This podcast. Thank you, Emily, for having me again. I'm so excited that we get to do another Naughty Good Bite Woman interview. I know. I know. And to, it's awesome to be able to share all these great stories. And today's guest is extra special. Um, why don't you start by telling us what you what like the protocol is for how you choose the Naughty Good Bite Women of the Month? So um, each woman, I mean each woman, each month we choose a woman. Um, she's nominated by other women uh, to be featured as our Naughty Good Woman of our month. And obviously we're known as our um, for our gourmet chocolate bites, but each of our flavors, it's given um, its own personality to kind of help promote the message, our message that is bigger than a bite. Um, we're all about empowering and celebrating each other, not comparing, but honoring the naughty good woman in your life. So like I said, people nominate each other and it's all randomly selected because we don't feel any one story is more important than the other. Um, and they get selected um, to be featured that month. Yeah, I just love that you do this. And it makes such perfect sense that we're um, sharing these stories on She Built This because, you know, we both have such that same mission, right, of empowering and lifting up and supporting other women, as well as um, being the champion for change in letting other people share their stories and feel comfortable sharing their stories as well. Absolutely. I feel like none of our stories are really unique. It's just that we're the ones that are willing to share them. Um, And that makes other people not feel so alone, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I know that you have a new um, pumpkin flavor coming out that you're experimenting with taglines about latte. And as in the words of Lindsay Taylor, <laughs> better a latte than one or better a latte than what is, what is, what's your tagline? We're not, we're not so sure. We're coming out with it. So it's pumpkin latte and um, I need to have it like finalized right in the next you know, after this, 10 minutes after this episode, I need to finalize it, but it's called a latte. And it's a lot of women is better than one or it's going to be something along those lines. Um, okay. You know what? The, we're going to set the intention that it's going to come to you through this episode. I'm just going to so. hit you. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about today's Naughty Good Bite woman, Tina Howard. Yes. So each month um, we choose a theme to help define what makes each of us naughty good. Um, And I definitely can't think of a better way to begin our month of Be Courageous for October um, than to introduce to you our October 2019 Naughty Good Woman of the Month. She was nominated by her very own 15-year-old daughter, 
Um, and she's a verifiable naughty good groupie. And that's not only because she loves our bites, but she is the essence of our brand and, of course, of our mission. Uh, she is somebody who we should all aspire to be. So, uh, Tina, welcome. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm very humbled. Um, so my name is Tina Howard. I'm 52 years old. I'm a wife. I've been married for 30 years. Um, I'm a mom of six, um, Jake 28, Joshua 27, Jonah 25, Jules 15, and Jesse and Jordan are both in heaven, but they would be 20 and 17. Two grandchildren, um, Kyla and Nora, and my husband and I own our own business, and I am his bookkeeper. Oh my goodness. You must have so much free time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm really glad you're here, um, Tina, and we are very excited to hear your story. So I guess let's start with a really high-level question. Um, what does be courageous mean to you? So to me, being courageous, I, I was thinking long and hard about this, but what I came up with is I thought, for me personally, it's to persevere, um, just to continue on no matter how hard something is, um, to dig deep and find strength that I may not have known that I even had. And then I think most importantly is to be a victor and not a victim. Oh, that is so powerful. And I love that you talk about, you know, just continuing on, taking one step, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, showing up. Um, I think that's a great definition. Um, can you share with us kind of how you have dug deep, how you've kind of put one foot in front of the other, a little bit about your life's journey and how you came to this meaning? Sure. Um, definitely. Um, so I would say, I want to start by saying um, I became a mom at 24 um, in March of 92. So my oldest son, Jacob, um, and I also want to throw out that he was nine pounds, six and a half ounces. Uh, <laughs> No medication in a four-hour later labor. I, <laughs> so he, I, you can't see me, but I am bowing to you right now. <laughs> I don't have kids, and I am therefore bowing to you right now, also. <laughs> so, and then um, I was blessed with our. Well, we were blessed with our second son. Seventeen months later, in August of ninety-three. But I just want to also mention he was only eight pounds thirteen ounces. But I also want to say, still no no pain medication because labors were too fast. Um, so I guess I could say I was pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> um, Twenty-three months after that, um, our third son Jonah was born. Um, and I want to say he went smaller too, seven pounds, 13 ounces. I just kept losing a pound every, every, um, every birth. Um, but you know, those three boys, um, I love being a mom. Um, and it wasn't until I think, um, try to get my timeline down. Um, uh, 2000, I think I was, I was pregnant with my fourth child and, um, we didn't have any ultrasounds the entire pregnancy. Everything was normal. Um, my eighth month, I went for an ultrasound because they thought, um, this baby was breached and I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. That was something my husband and I always liked the, um, the joy of, of, you know, when you gave birth, is it a boy or a girl? Um, so we didn't know. Um, and in that ultrasound things from there became kind of crazy. The woman that was doing our ultrasound excused herself and was very emotional, which we thought was very weird came back and basically told us to go to our doctor's office. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have an appointment tomorrow. I'll see him. And she's like, no, you need to go see him now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so we did. Um, long story short, um, we found out she was a little girl, Jessie, alive and well in my womb. But when I was going to give birth, she had a diaphragmatic hernia and also uh, plastic left heart syndrome, yellow left heart syndrome. So she had two very main very um, life-threatening conditions. And at that time, which would be 20 years ago, they couldn't, you know, I couldn't deliver and have them take care of one situation over the other. We knew we would probably lose her. So this was in my eighth month. Um, I went two weeks over my due date, delivered a beautiful little girl named Jessie, four pounds. And she lived 37 minutes. Um, she pooped on me. She opened her eyes. And my husband, we, we talked to her. We actually talked to her that whole last month before I gave birth. Like she was so active, so moving, you know, would move. And anyway, so she was, a very, she's a nice, very special little angel. And um, 
she's part of my family. She's one of my children. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those 37, those 37 minutes, um, I feel like, as, as you know, I had a loss too, but that, you know, it, it doesn't matter, right? That That's their lifetime. And what she, the mark she left on you is probably pretty powerful regardless of 30 minutes or 37 years or whatever it might be, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, have- I have a question for you. Um, while like during that interim in that one month, were the doctors like remaining hopeful with you or did you know that this was going to happen and you just had to like stand strong basically that entire time? Um, yeah, I kind of left that out. We had gone to Boston. We had gone to Portland. We went and um, they basically told us there was nothing they could do. There was an ECMO machine down in Boston that because when you have a diaphragmatic hernia, it's a hole in your diaphragm. So all of her organs were like up in her chest cavity. So her lungs never developed on her own. So now they can actually do that in utero. I mean, literally, she they probably could save this little girl's life now. At that time, no. Um, so yes, we did know that we were praying for a miracle. We never gave up hope. Um, and we delivered, you know, we got to plan her delivery. We planned so much. I mean, I can actually think of a time I was in Filene's or Macy's, whatever. And a person was a nice woman was buying suits for my sons. Now at that time they were all three little boys. And I mean, I'm trying to think how old they were. Got them. Uh, you know, that that's one thing I have a hard time with remembering um, times. But anyways, long story short, we were, they were buying suits for them and I was pregnant still. Of course, I know my baby's not going to live. And the woman said to me, oh, are you hoping for a girl? And I, being me, said, oh, I know this baby's going to die. You know, I, I think I started rattling off a story and this woman looked at me with her jaw to the ground and she's like, okay, you need to leave. Yeah. I'm like, oh after God. that, I hibernated until I gave birth because I, I just couldn't. I couldn't share and I, it was just too hard. Yeah. It was hard. It's so hard. I find when you, other people feel uncomfortable, right? Because of our stories, but the truth is like, we're the, like, we're talking about it because we need to talk about it in a way. So such a weird, um, it's such a weird way that we have to actually teach other people that it's okay to this day. If I say anything about my loss and I'm sure you do people too, people go and you're like, no, I'm bringing it up because it's okay. You know, it's safe, safe to talk about it. Um, Did you ever, did the boys know about um, Jesse and what was going to happen or were they too little? Yeah, they did. Um, They were, I think they were in elementary school at the time. Um, and, um, they did, they, you know, we told them in the simplest forms we knew how, um, of course we had a nursery all ready to go and stuff. And, you know, they experienced, you know, they experienced that loss very hard. We did it as a family. I mean, we had a funeral, they, they saw her, you know, they, they chose to hold her at the hospital. They, you know, we, we kind of, we didn't know what, you, you don't know what the right and wrong way to handle things are and you pray you don't, you know, traumatize your children, you know, but to this day, those, well, let's just say that I have one song that one son that named his dog, Jesse, and I'll get to Jordan, but I have another son who named his dog, Jordan. So oh I know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that says something, right? <laughs> I am. Uh, that's, that's incredible. You know, I think um, you're right. There's no right way to do it right there's no and, and I'm actually so grateful that back then they even and it wasn't even like it was that long ago this is in 2000 right right that they allowed them to see her because yes. it wasn't but you know that long ago my grandmother wasn't even allowed to see yes. her child right so um they've come a long way and it's so important to have those moments with the baby I, I have so many women that would come up to me and like you said, of age of like my mother or my grandmother that were, they never had that closure. Yeah. And, you know, that was very difficult. And I, I think a little piece of Jesse gave some of these people that, and it, 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 yeah, cause I can't even imagine that I wouldn't have been able to spend that time with her, you know? So Tina, after that experience, you, you lost another child um, yes. if you're, if you're okay with that, I'd love for you to continue to share that. Sure. Um, actually it was four years later, I was pregnant, um, again, 
I can never figure out how that happened. Anyways, um, just kidding. <laughs> I have an idea of how that happened. <laughs> but yeah, so um, and this pregnancy went very well. And I didn't, you know, what happened with Jesse was one of those things that just happened. It, you know, it wasn't because I carried a girl. It wasn't, you know, I'd already had three healthy boys. Um, so there was no risks. But um, unfortunately, I couldn't have even bought a Megabucks ticket and had this much luck. But um, at the end of, I, I actually had gone in for an appointment and I, my blood pressure had been spiking. I was very, very swollen. I had gone in and I was 34 weeks and um, they were like, well, you know, let's, we've gone long enough. Let's induce her tomorrow. Um, Cause you know, at, at this point I was becoming ill. So, um, and they had done a heartbeat that afternoon, strong heartbeat. Again, I didn't even know she was a girl. Um, so long story short, I had gotten up the next morning to get the boys off to school. And I looked at my husband and I said, the baby did not move at all last night. And I said, something's wrong. And he goes, no, 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 Tina, you're, you know, I was, I was hoping I was wrong, but there was a maternal, there was definitely a maternal instinct I knew. And when I, um, we got the kids off to school. Jason's father was actually going in for a, a, a bypass that morning in Portland. We said goodbye to them. And then I went to the hospital and sure enough, my doctor comes in. Oh, everything's fine. Tina, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I saw her face. She could not find the heartbeat. Oh so goodness. I had lost her. I'd lost her overnight. Now, 20, not even 24 hours ago, her heartbeat was stronger than ever. So they think that my health somehow got, and it did because we, you know, she was a healthy seven pound, somewhat ounce baby girl. Um, but unfortunately she was gone and I had to deliver her knowing that she was gone. And I got to tell you, it was pretty bullshit. Can I say that already? You can definitely say that. I was just going to ask how, how, like in that moment, how did you feel? Yeah. Extremely angry, extremely, I I couldn't figure out what did I do to deserve this? I, I don't get it. I mean, two, two babies, you know, so again, I had to, I delivered and I, I, I have never in my life had any epidural. And I said, I want an epidural. And my doctor said, you know, things weren't really progressing very fast because, of course, I wasn't in labor and they had to induce. He leaves to go to his office. And, of course, I'm in full-blown labor and I didn't get an epidural. (laughs) So so anyways, but, you know, I I did deliver her. And when I first delivered her, I have to say, I just wanted them to take her away. I didn't even want to see her. And then... Actually, I think it was like seconds and I, I looked over and I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Give her back. Give her back. You know, and it was a little girl, um, Jesse. I mean, Jordan. So, um, yeah, so she was our fourth. And again, I did not set up a nursery until that week before because I, of what happened. And again, we had to take another nursery down. And these boys, you know, still had to go through this with us as a family, yeah. you know, and I mean, but that's the key. We did go through this as a family. You, you have to. And I feel that, you know, having them at home, I know for me, having my daughter at home was what helped me to get up every morning because yes. you knew you, you had to continue for them. You know, you could feel all the feels and they could feel the feels with you. Um, but you, ha- you, there was just no option as a mom that's, you have them here and they're healthy and you have to get up and you have to keep moving, Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I say this all the time, but I remember our doctor saying, ask yourself, what would Sawyer want you to do? Right. Ask yourself, mm-hmm. what would Jordan and Jesse want you to do? And right. uh, you got to get up. You got to get up every day um, and keep being courageous and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And uh, it's so inspiring that two losses, you know, who says lightning hit strikes twice, right? <laughs> I know. That's for sure. Yeah. I know. Um, Tina, thank you so much for, I mean, your story is really powerful. Um, and I'm over here crying. So, <laughs> um, so I'm really curious, like how other people in your life responded because, you know, a lot of times people are there for you in the beginning and then um, that fades away as time goes on. So I'm curious to know like how your community responded to you and whether or not you felt supported and things like that. I absolutely, I absolutely felt supported. Um, I, I come from a big family. I'm one of five siblings. My, my 
siblings are amazing. They helped me so much. And, and the other thing is too, um, I had a community of girlfriends that we all had children the same age and every Tuesday we, when the kids were growing up, we always had, um, I was going to say Bible study. It wasn't Bible study. It was, um, play group. <laughs> and we literally like we, it was the kids got together and played, but we sat there and drank coffee all day. I mean, Tuesdays were like, okay, no one can be sick because we are going over to this one's house. We'd all, you know, change houses. And these women, I got to tell you, they are friends of mine to this day. And I mean, we may not see each other often, but we are, we are always there for each other when something happens in, in any of our worlds, we're always there for each other. Um, our church was very supportive, but, but in saying that too, it's very hard for people to know what to say, especially when it happened the second time, because I feel like I felt like I was this bad luck walking around. So I can only imagine how some of my, my friends felt or family, like, you know, they didn't know how to support me. I'm always that type of person that puts that smile on my face or, or humor, you know, humor is something that has gotten me through a lot of things. My husband and I definitely have that with each other. And, but I think because of that, I, I buried a lot of grief too. Um, and, you know, I lost my dad in 2005. That was, I will tell you, I remember one of the last things he said to me, well, actually I can say after we lost Jordan, probably about a year after that, we had a niece come to us and she was pregnant and she is, she struggles, sorry, she struggles with addiction. Um, she's had, she had had two children already prior to that. She was putting this little girl up for adoption. She had already started with an adoption agency. Um, she come to us for some reason, she came to our house one day and she's like, do you guys want to adopt this baby? She knew it was a little girl. She knew we had losses. And I'm like, ooh. And I remember talking to my friends like, oh, no, Tina, don't put yourself in that position. You don't know if the baby's healthy. You don't know. Da, da, da. And I'm like, I got to tell you, we put we put our faith. I mean, our faith for us is is very important. And Jason and I took that step of faith. And we were there for that little girl's birth. And that is my fifth child. Wait, no, wait, one, two, three. Wait, six, how many? Six. Six, thank you. <laughs> Told you I'm a bookkeeper, but math, you know, whatever. Anyways. Um, but I will say, I mean, she had been, Juliana has been with us since birth and this little girl needed us as much as we needed her. I mean, I never thought I would hold another little baby in my arms and she is such a blessing. And this little girl, I'm telling you, she's 15 now. She's going to be something. Not sure what yet, but she's going to be something. Mark my words. And, um, but my dad, very strong-minded. And, and my dad, we lost my dad that year. Juliana was 10 months old. But I remember one of the last things he said to me was, Tina, you have that spark back again. And I'm so happy he got to see that because, you know, as a parent now knowing having children and seeing your children suffer, you want to see them happy. And, you know, we had that spark back, every one of us from the boys. I mean, this little girl gave us light back again in our world. And I'm very grateful for that. He was the one who nominated you rightly. Perfect. Yes. Perfect, right. Yes. Yep. I know her personally and she is a um, ray of sunshine and she is as tough as her mom. So she <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of tough, Tina, please tell us what happens next, because I have a feeling that your journey with being courageous is not done. No, um, 2008, um, I was 40 years old and went in for a, just a normal appointment. And um, I knew I had felt a lump, but um, didn't think anything of it. No, you know, history in my family. Um, anyways, long story short, um, that that day turned into a whirlwind. It went from, did you know you have this lump to having an ultrasound to meeting with a surgeon that day? Um, yes, I had stage 2B um, breast cancer. And um, at that point, um, just I think just dealing with so many different things, um, I had to have my left breast removed. Well, actually, when I went under, I didn't know if my left breast was going to be removed. They knew that, you know, I had gone to Boston. It, things are a lot different now than they are they were back then. Um, so I'm about what, 12, 13 years out. Um, and when I woke up, my left breast was gone. Um, they couldn't find clear margin. It had spread through, I think to three lymph nodes. So, um, 
actually nodes, not not notes, <laughs> but anyways. Um, but yeah, so I've had to deal with that as well. Um, I tried reconstruction, but I had chemo radiation, tried reconstruction after it didn't take because of the radiation. Um, so long story short, I'm 52 and breastless, which has been very difficult as a woman to, to you know, just find the beauty, you know, and I mean, I, I'm so grateful that I have a husband who, who I, I, I truly believe loves me inside and out. And I mean, if he didn't, I mean, how could he, how could we go through all this and be married 30 years? You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, that's, that, that happened 12, 13 years ago. And I've had to deal with that. And I have to say when depression hit was after that, um, I think everything that's happened in my world um, came crumbling down. And for me, I will, and I, I don't know if I've even shared this with Lindsay, but for me, I found that I started spending money, um, just living for today. Who cares about tomorrow? You know, and um, I got, I, I, I definitely got us into some financial issues. And this man loves me enough that we got through this. And if anyone out there has any issues with debt or, or spending, there's a program called Debtors Anonymous that has got me to a place of solvency that I can actually live honestly right now with in my life of, um, you know, that when you're hiding money problems from your spouse, that takes a toll on your health. It takes a toll on who you are as a person. And I can honestly say I'm living, you know, I'm living solvent free for over a year now. And that means no credit cards. I don't use credit cards. I can't. So that's that. And I did want to share that because that's something I didn't even know was out there. I didn't even know it was a possibility of, you know, being a problem. Yeah, that's, that's so, I, yeah, we've never talked about that part. And I think that that's um, really courageous for you to, to share that because I think you're right. People don't know that that's out there or that it's a problem or that it's something that um, you can find help for. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, thank you for sharing that. And you've, you know, I know you talked about not being able to love yourself. It took you years to be able to do that or from the depression. And you have just um, found the strength and courage to go on every single time. And I, I'm thoroughly inspired by you and your story. It's um, and you continue to share even more and more um, amazing, you know, um, stuff for all of us to be able to kind of grasp onto and realize we're not alone. Um, that other people suffer this and thrive as at this in this at the same time, you know, not at the same time, but can still live a very happy, fulfilling life, even though you've been knocked down so many times. Yeah, this is really a story of just like being, you know, digging as deep as you possibly can and overcoming time and time and time again. Yeah, I feel like just even, you know, you. I was nominated for being a courageous woman a year ago. And I have to say that I feel more courageous today in 2020 than I did back in 2000. Yeah. Wait, yeah, 2019. <laughs> There's a number thing again. Oh, that's chemo brain, just so you guys know. It's still on it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is. it is, And, I mean, I just lost my mom. It'll be two months, October 1st. And you know, I've, my relationship with my mom has been very tricky over the years. And I will tell you the gift that I received in the past six months was when my mom was sick in July, I was the one because I've been through cancer before. I was the one that could help her in every appointment. And we came to such a place of healing. And actually this is what tears me up to this day is because we came to a place of understanding and love that I didn't feel an entire lifetime, but I felt this past six months and she really didn't want to die, you know, with COVID, she didn't want to be in the hospital. And, um, my siblings and I, and because I have a brother who lives with her, we brought her home and that's where she spent her last week. And I got to tell you, it was supposed to be 10 months and ended up being a week and what a gift. Very, very blessed. Yeah. Wow. Tina, Tina, and you just keep like, you have no idea like what you're, you know, the fact that your story is inspiring so many people just by living yours. And, um, and I, I don't, I, you, you kind of leave me speechless. (laughs) Yeah, I am completely speechless too. Um, 
I I want I want to know like if you could say if you had a soapbox which right now you do um what would you say through all of this that you would want to inspire others in you know it's funny because when even Lindsay asked me to do this today I kept saying I was humbled because it's just me it's just my world it's just my life but I would say that what got me through this was my faith um i you know, even in the down, the darkest of times, um, there's always been hope, even though I didn't feel it, but my husband, the love for him, my children, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a blessing, but, um, so I just, just never to give up and just, you know, just, I bet, I guess I being an open book has been helpful for me. Um, I think it was more helpful for me than it was for other people, but I guess I'm seeing it differently now as time has gone on, but, and I'm just, I'm very humbled by that. Yeah. Like we talked about kind of in the beginning, how sharing our stories is what connects us all. And, you know, those of us who are courageous enough to share our story and we might be just courageous because that's just our nature, right? Like I don't look at myself as being courageous because I share my story and, and I'm sure you you probably feel the same way. It's just the way we are, right? We just share, we might overshare yeah maybe (laughs) maybe but we're just sharers but the but I feel like um we are only given as much as we can handle but also I feel like there's a there's a saying or that we're given that because we lead we become leaders by example right so we're Mm -hmm. um we're chosen to 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 kind of be able to show people what's possible um but that's just by being us Right. But doesn't make us any, any, any better or worse than anybody else. It's just, we are there to connect other people and to show them that they're not alone. Does that make sense? Like a Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Really powerful stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, was, was your mom, um, has she been one of your biggest role models and inspirations in your own life? And, and if not, um, who is that person for you? And, you know, I kind of, you know, um, said, you know, my mom and I have struggled. Um, and my mom only knew what she knew too. You know what I mean? And, um, I feel like, I feel like she came to a better understanding of even me and I came to a better understanding with her in the last six months. But I would say that, um, I think I, I really, honestly, other moms, I mean, whether they're my friends or new, new acquaintances. I mean, even when I met, I remember meeting Lindsay, I mean, cause we were new to Stratford four years ago and I just feel like everybody has, I think if you keep open-minded, you can learn something from anybody. And I think that's the thing. I, I've, I've been given so many gifts by so many relationships. And, you know, sometimes they're just people that you meet for a short period of time, but you can carry away something from everything, um, from every conversation, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I was trying to think because I couldn't come up with like a name, like, um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I can't, um, I think I was in a, um, I don't know, was it, maybe it was in one of, um, the groups, um, the peer groups, Emily, I think what a question was asked that, you know, who's somebody that, and and I couldn't, like, I couldn't think of one person because I feel like everybody's been so impactful. So absolutely. I feel like we all get little, you know, glimpses into our life and, you know, throughout our lives of people that are going to inspire us. Um, so it's a culmination of all those, all those encounters. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was in um, a peer group. And I've been asking that question a lot, both personally and to other people, just, you know, who is somebody that inspires you most? Um, and I have the same answer. It's like, okay, well, in this moment, it's this person, because there are so many, like, we're just all doing the thing. And, each and every day, that thing is something amazing, you know, if you're doing what you are are meant to be doing. Yeah. And actually speaking of that amazing, I would love um, for you, Tina, to talk about um, just briefly how you, one of the ways that you've changed in your giving back as a board member, and I believe now treasurer of the My Breast Cancer Support and how that's helped you kind of um, move on. Cause I know giving back after any type of loss and, and, and of course, breast cancer is a, is a, you have grief in it, in and of itself, not just an actual physical loss. Um, can you share a little bit about that and how that's helped you? 
Sure, absolutely. Um, I've been actually a board member for My Breast Cancer Support, um, and I have to say, it's there's so many um, charities out there, and this one um, was very personal. I had met the um, one of the girls that works full time for the um, organization, uh, Jenny, and we had met. I think we were invited to a um, roundtable with the um, governor a couple years ago, and there was something about her that always stood out. And she reached out to me last year sometime and said, you know, we're looking for board members. And it's what a blessing that I get. I have met some amazing people on this board. And I have to say, with my mom being sick this summer, I've I've missed them because I've had to step back a little bit. But I can't wait. And of course, with the COVID, too, we have so many, you know, different things that um, we normally get together for. And obviously, you know, that's changed, too. But um, so, yes, being a part of this organization and giving back to local patients. I mean, these are patients that are all, you know, um, on the seacoast area. Um, when you go, you know, when you're diagnosed and you're in the hospital and you go see your oncologist at Seacoast Cancer Center or in Exeter or in Biddeford, um, they give you these purple bags. That's from our group. And that's something that 12, 13 years ago, I could have really benefited, benefited from, um, just knowing that there's somebody out there that you can talk to that's walked through it. And is this normal or, or, you know, just asking questions or just listening or just having someone listen to you. So that's, that has been, um, such a blessing and I'm so grateful to be part of that group. And I've also seen so many people reap so many benefits from it. I mean, they'll go as far as to, you know, make a mortgage payment for somebody who's going through treatment and can't work. Um, an electric bill. I mean, it's the down and dirty level of, you know, the living, you know, um, gift cards for a family to go to dinner or gas or, you know, rides to, it's just amazing to me. And that, that um, I will be a part of this organization forever because whether I'm a board member or not, I, um, I truly believe that there's so many women now being diagnosed too. And it's, it's such a hard thing to go through. And I love that you, that you touched on the support groups and surrounding yourself with women who have been through what you've been through. That is one thing we say when I have a lot of people who reach out to me after a, a pregnancy loss and um, or loss of a baby, and I'm sure you have too. And what do I say to this person? They'll ask me and I say, you tell them they need to find help. They need to find a group of women that they can surround themselves with because it is so important. Like, I struggled with my mom being able to have her support me, right? And because she didn't understand what it was like to lose a child, nor should she, right? Um, so finding those people who you can say, am I crazy for doing this or thinking this? Oh my gosh, what a lifeline, right? So yes. that's so great that they, that's what they offer. And um, I'm so glad you touched on that. So I think every listener should hear is that they're not alone. Find those people, find your people. Yeah, I love that. And I was I was actually going to say the same thing as I really want to hammer home for the listeners, like no matter what level of of despair, I'm going to say that you're at right now, like there is somebody out there who can help you. And all you have to do is ask for help and find those people that will come around you and support you. Okay, can I make it really light for a moment? Because I almost feel like we are made just made full circle because my a latte bite. (laughs) <laughs> did you get the answer? Did you get the answer? Almost. We were talking about finding your people and surrounding yourself with a lot of women, right? A lot. That we. This is where this is going to go. So see, it's full circle, guys. Full circle. <laughs> also on the topic of being light, your days of drinking coffee all day with your friends sounded amazing. I wanted to get that in earlier. but I, I was like, I would be wired. It would be terrifying <laughs> if that was my day. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's kind of move on. We have some um, questions that we ask every guest. Um, Mm -hmm. And right before we do jump into those, I want to ask you one more question. I hope that's okay. What still makes you feel afraid? Mm. Oh, wow. I wasn't prepared for that one, Emily. Um, Sometimes we go off script here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, All right. What makes me afraid? Oh, boy. What would come to mind? I'm going to say for, I guess, the fear of the unknown, um, fear of losing. I think the biggest thing for me is loss. Um, I think for so many years when that phone rang, I always thought it was going to be bad news. So I guess that would be my biggest fear. 
But one of the things that I've learned is it, I need to know what, what it is and then we'll, then we'll work through it. You know what I mean? I'd rather know what it is than to hide it or, or deny or whatever. So I guess that's the biggest thing is loss. I guess, does that make any sense? I don't it know. It makes total sense. I think for anyone that has lost a, a loved one, um, that is a constant thing. You know, every time somebody leaves to go to work, you're thinking about what yeah. if they don't come home. Um, so I, I totally hear you. And I think that's a great answer. Oh, yeah. I'm a little neurotic when everybody leaves. I have to tell them to be safe. Those are the exact words. Every time they leave this house, be safe. Have a good day. Be safe. And um, for some reason, I feel like that covers me. <laughs> don't know why. But I feel like that, like, yeah, because you, you, every day um, there's that fear. And I hate that you have to live with it, but you acknowledge it. And that's important, too. Yes. All right. So do you want to get into our rapid fire questions, Em? Yeah, let's do the rapid fires. <laughs> All right. All right. So first rapid fire, fire, <laughs> rapid fire. What is your superpower? I'm going to say my faith. Mm, yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say I was wrong. <laughs> no, wrong answer. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. What is something that you haven't done yet in your life that you want to? travel and i mean when i say travel mountains lakes nature quiet just enjoying the world that's that's all i want just peace so you guys are moving up to maine is that right yeah 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 you'll get a lot of peace there and there's so many new things to see up there so i know i'm so excited and my grandkids are going to be right next door oh fun now is there anywhere specific you want to travel to um, no, no, just, just travel. travel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be traveling to Northern Maine. It could be, I hear you like just, yeah. Uh, just yep. yep. My brother was telling me my, Wyoming, he just came back from there and he said, Wyoming is beautiful. And what I've seen, it does, it, it, it does sound beautiful. So maybe let's say Wyoming. All right. Put it out there to the universe. When COVID okay. is gone, Wyoming is happening. Or All right. Even you can just drive out there and get an RV. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, all right. Here's, here's a, a good one. Cause I know that you're a um, naughty good fan. What naughty good bite flavor personality do you most relate to? Okay. Well, I am prepared for this one, Lindsay. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite question. <laughs> so I looked through every one of them. I came up with Chaya DN true. A tried and true woman is proven reliable. Love that. Okay. But loco nut, love it. Cause, cause all women should be a little crazy and very resistible. Cause an irresistible woman, woman is too tempting to ignore. Wow. If you put them all together, be like a chai berry <gasps> coconut drink. That oh sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. My husband would have to take that day off from work. Tina, your homework from this podcast is to put all those flavors in a blender with some like milk or something and okay. tell me how it is. Okay. <laughs> Even better, how fun would it be? You kind of just gave me an idea. Maybe we'll have to spin off of this because you chose three. And every time we have a specialty box, it's three different flavors. Be a pre- be courageous box right there. We got Loconut, Very Zistable, and Chide and True. Like you could be... We could have our Naughty Good Woman of the Month choose our monthly um, boxes. This podcast, I just want everyone to take note, is the breeding ground for great ideas. Let's just. This is awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, Tina, why don't you um, tell everyone how they can find you online and reach out to you? Sure. Um, I have a fa- I'm on Facebook, um, and I have my email is. Um, TT, so two T's, and then it's Howie, H O W I E, six eight at MSN.com. And that's probably the easiest way. And I mean, definitely, I reach out. If I can help anybody in any way, I would love that. That's wonderful. And definitely support that. My support, um, my breast cancer support. If um, yes, yep. find that right on. They're on Facebook, right? Yep. They have a website and they also have a, um, it's called a Tribes, which is actually a, um, a page that you can join that if you're newly diagnosed or in diagnosis, or if you are a survivor, 
you can literally go on, ask questions and it's awesome. What a great community that is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for generously sharing so openly and honestly about your story. Um, it was, I hope it inspired other listeners. I, I hope people didn't go through their entire tissue box because I'm over here like bawling. <laughs> it was so nice to have you, Tina. I just love you. I'm going to miss you in Stratford, but um, we'll be in touch for sure. Yes, definitely. I'm going to miss you too, Lindsay. I already miss you. I haven't seen you enough. I know. All right, ladies, have a great day. Thank you. Here at Naughty Good, we encourage you to mimic our bites by doing good and inspiring others. Define your naughty and good. Be purposefully imperfect. Stop comparing and start honoring the Naughty Good woman in your life. Visit us at NaughtyGoodBites.com to nominate them today. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tina and Lindsay. I would love to hear what impacted you um, most in this episode. Maybe it's just that it helps you to tell your story more courageously, or it encourages you to find that support system in your life, or maybe it's just simply a reminder, an important reminder for you to keep going and not give up no matter what. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you want to send me an email, my email is emily at emilyaborn.com and you can shoot me a personal note there. And like Lindsay said, if you know someone in your life who you want to nominate to be the Naughty Good Bite Woman of the Month and be featured on our monthly episode, please go to naughtygoodbites.com and while you're at it, be sure to get some yummy she built this bites and see what other um, flavors she has there and by the way in case you are wondering if I were a naughty good flavor it would be weirdo because it's this amazing cookie dough flavor that actually tastes like the chocolate cookie dough in a Ben and Jerry's ice cream or whatever chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream you prefer Um, but I'm also a weirdo so and with that have a great rest of your day To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.